That song was written by a man who was going through what he said was his darkest days. So the only thing that he could do in his darkest days was to think about and to reminisce and to study and to think about the sufficiency of Christ. And so that, that song, How Great Thou Art, came out of his darkest moments. The power of thinking about and knowing the God that says how great thou art is powerful as we walk through. We live in an age and a time of, of darkness and of evil. This morning, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 8. We'll be looking at verse 12. We'll be going back to Matthew, so if you like to flip quickly, then hold that spot. John chapter 8. Over the last few weeks, we've been studying the I Am, and that uh, Jesus identified himself as the I Am. And then last week, we looked at Jesus describing himself as I Am the Bread of Life. And as the Bread of Life, as we talked about what does it mean for him to be the Bread of Life, is that... He is all-sustaining, that we can daily go to Him for sustenance and to, to go to Him to, to feed on His truth and who He is. And from that, there's a daily life that comes from that. And just not biological life, not a bios life, but a zoa life. And that is a life eternal. That for us as followers of Christ, that we've entered into a relationship with Him and He brings eternal life to us. That as we eat from the bread of life, we have life to the fullness. So here we are in John chapter 8, and right before uh, the passage in chapter or verse 12, Jesus has had an encounter with the religious people of the day, which was pretty common for Jesus. And so the Pharisees and the teachers of the law had come to trick Jesus and to catch him into uh, uh, an opportunity to trip him up, so to speak. And so here they had, they caught a woman in the act of adultery. So they had kind of set the stage, which is great for religious teachers of the day to catch someone to set up this type of experience so they can catch Jesus. So they catch, catch the woman in an act of adultery and they bring her before Jesus in the synagogue into the temple and ask him this question, what should we do with this woman? Because the law states that we should put her to death. And so understanding as we kind of look at this, that they brought the woman, but they didn't bring the man. So there was definite intention to this. And so here they bring this person before Jesus the law states we should do this. Jesus, what do you say? And so all these men, as we understand there, they had their, their stones because it was not just a death, but they were to stone them to death. And this is still practiced in the Middle East and in places like that um, that follow these kind of teachings is that if someone is caught in adultery, that you are stoned to death. Even today, there are stories of that happening. And so you can imagine the brutality of that experience. And so here this is, they're in, right there, and Jesus slowly being who he is, Jesus bends down and he begins to write in the sand. And there's all kinds of questions about what he wrote and what he, what he was thinking about. But he looks up at these religious people and says to them, those of you that are without sin, cast the first stone. And immediately what it says in the passage is that from the oldest to the youngest, Interesting, isn't it? The older that we get, the more we realize we got stuff. That we thought it when we're younger, we've got it figured out, right? You're teenagers, young adults, you've got it figured out, and you, you don't need your parents, you don't need wise counsel, you don't need anybody. And as you get older, you're thinking, man, my parents are pretty smart. And so here Jesus is saying, listen, if you are without sin, be the first one to cast a stone upon this woman who you have 
brought from this act. And so from the oldest to the youngest, they set down their stones and they walked away. And Jesus said to her, what is their response to you, basically? And she said, none of them condemned me, which is what she thought was going to happen. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Therefore, go live without sin. And the beauty of what that is and what that is for us. And then the very next thing, Jesus is still in the temple moment. And so imagine Jesus when he's teaching is that his backdrop would have been the pillars, um, the, the lampstands, the candles. And um, so he's kind of in this setting where they would bring their offerings, okay? And so here he is teaching. So the backdrop, and this is pretty common for Jesus. Whenever he would be teaching, he would use natural illustrations. So think about whenever Jesus is talking about the four soils and that the, some, soil, some of the seed is going to f- fall on soil that's good and some seed will fall on the soil that's been trampled down and all, some seed will fall amongst the thorns and all that. So imagine Jesus in that moment, he would have been probably outside teaching because he's walking from, from city to city. And so I just always imagine he's on a rock and he's kind of healing people are looking up and they're looking back and they're seeing the, the literal illustration of what Jesus is talking about, there's probably a farmer back there throwing some seeds, and they're seeing it, that it's falling on the good soil, it's falling along the thorns, it's falling along the paths that, that were set for people to, to walk through people's yard. And so Jesus is using a living illustration. And so here, too, Jesus is in the temple teaching. And so surrounding that opportunity, that place of, of giving offerings and of teaching for them, surrounding that place are the candle stands that would represent what... The Hebrews had gone from Exodus, they'd gone from slavery to freedom to the promised land. So here's that, that setting that Jesus is, is talking to the people. And so the Jewish audience would have seen this where he's at. And they're looking at those lampstands and they're being taken back to that memory of where they were brought from Egypt and took the place in wilderness. And they were following a, a pillar of fire from slavery to freedom to the promised land. And so they have that going on. And then Jesus says this to them in verse 12 of chapter 8. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Now think about that. So they're looking at him and they're seeing this surrounding and he's, they have this idea of, of God bringing them from, from slavery to freedom and what that light meant and that God even said, hey, listen, I'm guiding you. I'm your daily light. I'm your light during the day. I'm your light at dark. And so you follow me and you pursue me and I will bring you from slavery in Egypt to a place of freedom of milk and honey. And this is where the promised land is and you will experience life to the full. Okay, so they have that. And then he comes in and he says, I am. Right Again, that self-identification with God the Father. I am the light of the world. So, wow. And so they're kind of taking this in and for us to kind of grasp what he's saying. And then he says this. Whoever, again, remember the ground is equal. Bread is for everyone. Whoever, Jesus is for everyone. He's not just for the, for the high-class caviar escargot, which none of you said you liked anyway, so we're good. Whoever follows me, okay, Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Now, how many of you are afraid of the dark? A couple of you. How many of you are afraid of public speaking? Most of you, okay. So we said, whoever follows me will never have to do public speaking. Maybe it makes more sense to many of you. Because we live in an age where we can walk into a room and we can do this and we have light. All right? But do you ever remember being a child and being afraid of the darkness? A little bit, okay? And what is it about the darkness 
that you were afraid of. You can talk to me. This is good. Here we go. What are you afraid of in the dark? You can't see anything? The unknown? The boogeyman? There is something there. You just don't know what it is, right? You can hear it, okay? All right? Yeah, there's something there. You cannot see it. It is the unknown. And because you can't see it, it is the unknown. You can't control it. And so immediately, what do we seek to do? We seek to turn on the light because when there is light, there is life. Where there is darkness, there is no light. And so Jesus is saying, listen, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Now, again, we live in this new world where we have these wonderful chandeliers and things like that to provide light for us. Do you realize that it hasn't been that long in history that we've had light? I mean, most of the people, I mean, for most of history, it's been from, hey, you get up in the morning when it first dawn, and then you go to bed at dark, right? That was kind of the cycle of life. Now we live in cities that are 24-7, never sleep, okay? And so some of you work night shift because there's lights. Churches decided to have night services because they had light bulbs. And so all these things, we've adapted to that, and so we've forgotten what it means to live life in dark until all of a sudden we have a power outage. You've experienced those here in LaGrange. Okay, so they're rolling, all right? In Puerto Rico, they happen all the time. Lights go out. And so what do you do when the lights go out? People scream. Okay, you panic. You wonder, first thing you think is, do I have good batteries in my flashlight? Because it's probably been two or three years. And so then you go to the flashlight, you stumble around in the darkness, you trip over things, you say wordy dirge because you stubbed your toe. And you get to that place and you open up the drawer where you think you used to have the flashlight, and you pull it out, and you push the button, and lo and behold, it doesn't work. And so then more wordy dirts come out, and you're like, why didn't somebody change this, right? And so you're shaking it, and you're getting it, and, and you shake it a little bit, and it starts to flicker, and all this. And so then finally, you're like, okay, let me find batteries, and you find batteries, and they're triple A, and you need double A, right? Or you need C, or they're D, and because you need, you need light, because all of a sudden, you realize you don't know your house as well as you think you do. And there's this fear of the unknown of somebody. It may not be all the houses. It may just be my house. And who's trying to get into my house? What's going on? And so here Jesus is saying, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness because we have light from him. And so that each step that we walk along the way, there is light. And that's the beauty of the flashlight. Even these things that you have that now on your um, phones, y'all know y'all have phones, and you can flick that little thing up and what happens? A flashlight comes on. And so you see that even now at concerts. We don't do lighters. We do iPhones or whatever. We're doing this, okay? And so whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Why? Because you have the light. And so you have the light. And imagine you have your iPhone or your candle or your flashlight. And does it expose the entire room? Yes, she has the, the sonic boom one, okay? The rest of us that are on a budget, we have the one that just goes right in front of us, right? And so basically a couple of steps at a time. And, and that's the truth for us is to understand that, listen, Jesus says, I, whoever follows me has the light and you can walk forward in faith and in trust because every step is covered. That's the beauty of walking in the forest, a place maybe you've never been. And there are things that are unknown to us in the forest. I mean, you all love snakes. Awesome. Like two of you. That's great. So most of us, we have this fear of, whether it's rational or not, of something outside when we're out in the wilderness or out in the forest or whatever, we're walking to the porta potty, whatever we got to do. 
And so when you're walking there and you have that flashlight and you're kind of doing this, and immediately when you hear something move, what do you do? You, you get fearful and then you shine the light. Why? Because you want what's in the darkness to be exposed to light because whenever you know that that light gets there, then all of a sudden the truth is revealed to you and it's not a snake, it's not a whatever, it's just a little bunny. And so you're afraid of a snake, but you realize that you're exposed to the truth and that light exposes the truth and it's just a bunny and everything's okay. Now you're, you're good and you bring the light back and you, you go forward. And that is what Jesus is saying to us. Whoever follows me shall not walk in darkness. That truth will be illuminated to you. That as we understand who he is and grow in our understanding of him and walking with him and building our relationship with him, that every step, even though we may not fully understand the path that he is has taking us on, that if we just shine the light, allow him to shine the light, one step at a time, we're going to get to where we need to go. But that if we look too far ahead, we're going to lose our focus, because if we look too far ahead, then we're not illuminating the, the steps that we need to take, and we could trip over something. And when we trip over something, that that's not good. And so Jesus says, listen, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. One step at a time, pursue me. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness that will have the light of life. And again, that word life there is not biological life, but is Zoa life, the life eternal. That as we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, that as he takes residence with inside of us through the Holy Spirit, that there is light comes in. This, this, again, something happens and we experience that peace that passes understanding the truth of who he is. And we understand that we can move forward one step at a time and he illuminates that's that. If you have your Bibles, turn over to Matthew chapter 5. And here Jesus is talking about the Sermon on the Mount. So he's right before this, he's saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. And so that you can, literally that means happy are. Happy are the poor in spirit, poor in spirit and all that. And then look down at verse 13 of chapter 5. Verse 13 is not going to be on a screen, but verse 14 will. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is not good, longer good for anything, no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and be trampled on. Here's one of the lies, Christians, that we've been told and that we believe is that we are not to bring flavor to the world. In other words, the world tells us that everything that they do is exciting and brings life and it's good and it's like joyous and all that. And, and if you've ever participated in that stuff, we understand that, hey, those things of the world that are supposed to bring satisfaction and joy, most of the time don't bring satisfaction and joy. They actually leave you longing for something else and they leave you with shame, pain, regret, all these other things. And so, but the things of God bring life. And so if you are salt, then you need to be going into places and being salt at work, being salt at school, being salt wherever you're at, because you are the ones, we are the ones that bring flavor. Because you're the salt, right? Why don't we put salt on things so that it can have flavor, right? So those that are not followers of Jesus, they're not bringing flavor, they're bringing something else that, that it may look appealing, it may look good on the plate, but as soon as you take a bite of it, it doesn't satisfy. Anybody ever had something like that that you bit into it? It's like, it is nasty, okay? Like one Thanksgiving, my mom made this wonderful um, cranberry casserole, and everybody was like super stoked up for it. 
And so, like, she had it, and she's like, oh, man, I spent all day making this. And so we're excited, and it's passing around because everybody loves cranberry sauce, right? Like, I love cranberry sauce with ridges on it. So that's when you know it's real, okay? But my mom had taken the cranberry sauce with ridges on it and put some other stuff in it, but it looked cool, all right? And so we're like, phew. And so everybody's, like, taking big old scoops of it and put it on there. And my uncle took the first bite. All right, right as I'm about to scoop it onto my plate, and he spews it out of his mouth, okay? And I immediately knew it wasn't for me, okay? I was like, that's awesome. What's in this? And my mom said, horseradish. Who puts horseradish with cranberry sauce? Yeah, my mom did. Yeah, Weird stuff happening. So I was like, you know what, this Thanksgiving, I'm going to go to the store afterwards and get my cranberry sauce with ridges. I'm not eating this. Listen, that is what it's like. The world says, look at this, it's appealing, and you taste it, and immediately you taste it, and you spew it out, and it's not satisfying to the soul. For us, you need the cranberry sauce with ridges. We bring flavor to the world. We're consistent, and sometimes that seems boring. But we're consistently pursuing after Jesus and what is life-giving. You are the salty there. Okay, verse 14. You are. Remember in, ver- in chapter 8 of verse 12, he said, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And now he's saying, you are, right? Because we are in relationship with him. And so now that we are, we are Christians. And Christians literally means little Christ. So that we're images of him. So when people see us, they're saying, hey, you are to be imitators and to look like Jesus. And we talked about it before as well. He's our rabbi, so we're his students. And so as He's our rabbi. We're imitating him and everything that the way that he did stories and told stories and did life. We're trying to do the same thing. And so as people look at us, they should see more and more that we're looking like Jesus. So here we are. Verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp. And here's Jesus is using like this obvious like this is so silly for me to even say this, but I want you to get your attention. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl, because that's just ridiculous. Why would you light a lamp and then put it over a bowl? Because the reason for light is for light, not dark, right? You're already in dark, so why light it and then put it back in darkness? Instead, they put it on a stand, so you actually raise it up higher, because the higher it is, the more light there's going to be dispensed around, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, you, followers of Jesus, let your light shine before men, hold it up so they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And I love this. Is it's not praising us, but it's praising the Father that our good deeds done in light. When people look at them and they say, that's a follower of Jesus. And there's no way that they would be doing that or pursuing that for any other reason than because they're pursuing Jesus. Because a lot of people do good deeds. But good deeds don't draw attention to ourselves. They draw attention to the Father. You are the source of light. And some of you, you've grown up in church. Some of you are new to church and, and uh, kind of checking out this whole faith thing. But one of, the, one of the songs that maybe many of you learned if you grew up in church was this, this song. Got ready? I'm not going to sing it, but you're going to follow it along with me because I, I don't have Josh's voice. Okay? Only in, only in the shower. All right? This little light of mine. I told you I'm not singing. I'm going to lie. Let it shine, let it shine. Hide it under a... 
I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Okay. I'm going to let Satan snuff it out. Remember that part? I've added like extra syllables, I know. That's why I don't sing, okay? I make up songs so I look like I know what I'm doing. I don't sing other songs. There you go. Awesome. Hey, also the truth. Yeah, give yourself a hand. We need others, right, that have walked the road to continue to teach us. Thank you, Joan. <laughs> Becky's tried to teach me all week. It just didn't happen. Listen. We know what darkness is. So we're going to go to work on Monday. You're going to deal with darkness at work. You're going to deal with darkness at school. You know what darkness is because you've seen the light. Your coworkers, your classmates, wherever you're going to be going this week, they need you to take the light that you have because of your relationship with Jesus Christ and to not hide it. In those moments when you have an opportunity to either hide it or to not hide it, many times we hide it. And Jesus says to us, you are the light of the world. You are what people are. You bring salt and flavor to the world. Raise up your light and illuminate for others so that they can see that I am the light of the world. It's a great responsibility that He's given us. And it seems foolishness. And even Paul says the, the truth, the good news of the cross seems foolishness to others. Why would He entrust the gospel and people's eternal life to us? But it's also the beauty of it because, listen, people, all of us around here have different stories of where God has brought us from darkness and evil to a place of light. And it was light that illuminated the darkness in our hearts and our souls. And because of that, it brought us to light. And we pursue living in light, even in those moments where it seems more comfortable to live in darkness because people won't know us or see us. To live in light brings life. That's my prayer for us, is that as we pursue the light of the world, that we would be drawn to the light and to live in the light, and that that's the beauty of community and of being in your life groups and of doing life together, that over time, more and more of who you are and the things that we try to hide in darkness comes to light. And even in those moments where it's painful to bring things from darkness into light, it brings life and it's life-giving. It may be painful, it may hurt a little bit, but also there's this deal of like finally somebody knows me and I'm, I'm glad I'm not living in darkness and in the closet anymore. Let's pray together. Father God, what just crazy week. Darkness easily overwhelms us. We watch the news and darkness is lifted up. Evil is lifted up. Man is lifted up. Father, that's why we gather here to lift you up, to lift light up, to lift life giving. Lord, may you remind us this week of that silly kid's song, This Little Light of Mine. I'm going to let it shine everywhere we go. 
that in those moments when we want to hide it because it's not convenient or what will somebody think of us or whatever, that you would just help us set that bowl to the side and that we would lift up the light and put it on a stand and say, yes, this is who I am, this is who I'm pursuing, and this is what I'm about. I haven't arrived, but Jesus is guiding each step along the way. Father, may you be brought glory and honor and praise through our deeds this week that are in pursuit of you. For Father, we know that we need to bring light because we have experienced darkness. May we be a part of turning on the light switch for our friends that need it. It's in your son's name that we pray.